This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hello everyone, it's your favourite podcast host here, Joe Redman, just letting you know that the TalkSport Fan Network is now proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor in play betting. Watch the action, predict the action, and make your best bet with the latest odds on over 1,000 daily events. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. We're going to build a train so big, it can't be stopped. From the executive producers of Power. We got enemies eyeing us, cops clocking us. Comes the new season of Power Book 4, Force. Tommy Egan is the linchpin to bringing down all of these gangs. Egan's too dangerous to be left alive. Power Book 4, Force. Game over. Premieres Friday, September 1st, only on Stars and the Stars app. Hello everyone and welcome along to the latest episode of the Turfcast podcast pre-game show with me, Joe Redmond, ahead of this weekend's clash with West Ham United at Turf Moor on Sunday. I think it's at 2pm. I'm 95% certain it's 2pm. I should have double-checked it before I said that. Just double-check it, guys, before you set off. I don't want to make anybody late for the game. I'm, I'm 98% certain it's 2pm, though, on Sunday. Um, it's going to be a tough one, though, for the Clarets. Uh, West Ham doing very, very well this season. They've just, last time out in the Premier League, should I say, they've, they've just beaten Chelsea 3-2, and they deserve to win as well. And they've got some very, very good players going forward. And they've got some decent defenders, although having said that, they do have a couple of injuries at centre-back, um, as I'm told by Will, the West Ham fan, um, from the West Ham Way podcast, which you know, you'll know uh, you be able to watch and listen to in a little bit. Um, he's on the show this week. 
Um, but yeah, uh, West Ham doing very, very well. Um, they're knocking on the door of the Champions League. I think they currently are fourth, actually. There's been, you know, talk of them maybe qualifying for the Champions League. Ultimately, I think they'll fade, to be honest. But, you know, it just shows how well they're doing at the moment that they're even in the conversation. And for me, I don't see how anybody, um, if West Ham, you know, carry on the way they're doing, even if they fade and finish fifth, you know, something like that. I, I do think David Moyes should probably get the manager of the season. But he just for the way that they play in, the way that, you know, he's, he's come in and, and completely changed it all around um, at West Ham. Because um, a lot of people were, were criticising the appointment. And again, that's something that Will mentions um, in the chat that you'll be able to watch and listen to in just a couple of minutes. So he's done very, very well as David Moyes um, at West Ham this time around. He didn't, he didn't do all... He did OK the first time around. He kept them up, but, you know, they were playing boring football and all that sort of thing. Um, according to Will. Um, so this time he's come in, he's got them playing a brand of football. Like I said, they're knocking on the door of the Champions League. They've got some very, very good players, Bowen, you know, people like that. Um, and, you know, so, so the other forward lad, I can't remember his name. Antonio is not really in form, um, but, you know, he's still a decent player. Um, so, you know, it's going to be a tough game for Burnley um, on Sunday. And obviously on the flip side of that, how good West Ham are is how bad Burnley are at the minute. Um, and you know me, I do... Try and be a little positive. I try not to go all doom and gloom on the podcast. Um, I am often a fence sitter. Um, I think I'll, I'll admit that, but I do try and sort of like say things like, you know, I, I will be right and that sort of stuff. Um, ask me again on January the 15th. I'm not, I'm not going to say we're, uh, I'm panicking, is is what I'll say now. As you, if you follow me on the social media channels, I, I have started panicking that, you know, it might be the year, but I'm not going to say that, you know, I'm not one of these lads that's going to say, now nah, we're down, we're down, we're definitely down. I don't think we are just yet. Ask me again on January the 15th after we played Leicester City at Turf Moor because we've got a few winnable games up until then. And if we're still in the position that we are now, then I don't see how we're going to get out of it. But fingers crossed we can get some points on the board starting this weekend ahead of that run of fixtures. But Newcastle was that run of fixtures and they just looked so disinterested. That was the thing that annoyed me the most about the Newcastle game because we have actually been playing all right and we've had some good results. You know, we went five games unbeaten. We got a point at sixth. All right, it wasn't the best to watch, and we were dreadful going forward in that game at Wolves. But we got a point at um, the the league leaders at the time, Chelsea. Um, you know, we 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 got a point at Southampton, point at Leicester, and of course beat Brentford. So you know, there's some good results in there. But then there were just when you put in that performance in Newcastle, and that's the last thing in your mind. That's all you can think about. And they were so so bad in that game against Newcastle. They were bad at the back. Obviously, Pope made the mistake. We've had that debate on on socials. I do. Having watched it time and time again, I do lean on the side of it. it's more of a mistake. But I, I, I just found it a little bit odd that, that the Schmeichel one um, was was um, what's it what, what's it called it was ruled out. Um, but I've been told that I'm wrong for that um, for the Schmeichel thing. Um, but the, the Pope one, I do think, is a mistake. Um, and then going forward again, we just nothing again, nothing. McNeil looked disinterested. Wood were miles off it, and I'm a, I'm a big Wood defender, um, but it, it's been poor this season but he he has these flashes doesn't he where he is poor for a while and then he's, he's class again for the next three months we need him to start being class again um, and Vidra comes on and gets chances and misses them he missed one at Chelsea all right he scored at Chelsea but he could have won it uh, and he missed one again um, this weekend so obviously Corne going off that, that were obviously the turning point because we we're looking all right up until that point and as soon as Corne went off nothing no ideas nothing no creativity absolutely nothing and that that for me is the most worrying aspect of that game that was the the fact that they just didn't look interested for me. They just didn't, as soon as Corny went off, they just did not look interested. 
Uh, and that was the most worrying part of it. I remember a few years ago when we played Everton on Boxing Day and, and they battered us, what were it, 5-1, 5-0. Um, they had a big meeting after that and Dice changed a few things. That was their wake-up call. Newcastle needs to be our wake-up call. Funnily enough, I think actually... I might be wrong, and I'm sure uh, someone with a fixture list in front of them could prove me wrong and, and do it quite easily and probably enjoy it. But I seem to remember when we got battered by Everton that season when we lost 5-0 or 5-1, I think we played West Ham next, and that was the game after the big meeting point. I might be wrong, but I think it is, and then we went on and beat them, I think, 2-0, 2-1, uh, something like that at the turf. Um, so fingers crossed we can get a similar result, but it is going to be very, very, very difficult against a very, very good and in-form West Ham side. But as I've said this week, I am joined on the show by Will. He is from the West Ham Way podcast. And you'll be glad to know that I've managed to actually sit down in the office where I am now um, and have an actual chat with him rather than just send him some questions like I had to, uh, had to do with the Wolves pre-game show and the Newcastle pre-game show. So the show is back to normal. I'm having a chat with Will and you can hear that right now. Right, so and as promised, just like that, we are joined from Will from the West. Uh, sorry, the We Are West Ham podcast. Thanks for coming on, mate. No problem at all, mate. No problem at all. Lovely to be here and return the favour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've just been on your show. Had a really good chat. Let's hope we can have another one now. Um, but let's get straight into it, mate. Let's talk to me about West Ham because I'm looking at your league position and some of the results you've got um, recently with some, you know, really green envious eyes. Currently sitting fourth in the Premier League, having just beaten Chelsea 3-2 in what was a fantastic game. Um, I watched it myself. Um, are we, are we, what are your thoughts on the on the season so far then? Because like I said, outside looking in, it's been absolutely fantastic. Joe, I'm 30. It's the best season of my life. It's the best season I've ever seen. It's the best football we've ever played. It's just superb. Uh, and the, the, the thing about it the most is it feels sustainable. I mean, we've beaten Manchester United away for the first time in 15 years. We've knocked Manchester City out of the Carabao Cup, the competition they haven't lost in, hadn't lost in for five years. We beat Liverpool at home and then just beat league leaders Chelsea. We've beaten Tottenham as well, uh, who's obviously a big game for us every season. It's, it's dreamland stuff and all that alongside winning our Europa League group with a game to spare, our first ever Europa League group stage campaign. Honestly, the, the the things that have happened to us in, in recent weeks, Joe, are normally on their own season-defining things. If we beat Man United away one season, or even just sometimes doing the double over Tottenham, that's it. If we then finish 12th and go out the FA Cups in the third or fourth round and out the League Cup in our usual fashion, those things alone, clubs have... It must be similar for Burnley as well and, and for the type of club West Ham have been for the majority of my life. You just need little things to justify. You go to a game, however many, 20 home games in a season plus a couple of cup games. You do it on the chance just so you're there for the one outstanding thing that happens in a season. Yeah, And it's just been week in, week out almost. You know, We've had a couple of little blips, but the feeling around the club is... It's never been anything like it. The last season, Upton Park was good, but it just feels more sustainable now. Then we had Dimitri Payet doing his wizardry, and we had we had a good load of good players. And Slaven Bilic was great, but if I compare this feeling to how it was before, it just feels more sustainable, and it doesn't, unlike before, feel like we were just waiting for Payet to leave, and it was all going to come crashing down. I think that the style of play Moyes has got going on, the good feeling around the club. Declan Rice is obviously our star player, but he's not in the same fashion Payet was 
Declan Rice is playing well and he's got 10 other players around him who care and are working yeah. hard at a system that works. So I've, I've run out of superlatives on our podcast, mate. It's just absolutely once in a lifetime. Well, hopefully not once in a lifetime, but <laughs> yeah. certainly once in a lifetime so far. It's brilliant. So, so obviously you started last season well, ultimately fell away a little bit, but of course, you know, still qualified for Europe and all that, all that sort of stuff. What you said there, it's more sustainable. Um, you've mentioned Declan Rice, but is it just Declan or is it the fact that, you know, like you said, he's got 10 players working hard around him. There's there's a good feeling. I mean, why is it more sustainable this season? It's, it's definitely not just Declan Rice. I mean, he obviously helps. He's a superb player. He's England starting holding midfielder uh, alongside Calvin Phillips or Henderson. But I think most people would say that, that he gets in ahead of those. Like he's one of the first names on the team sheet, which is superb. But other than that, it feels very much like David Moyes at Everton of old, where he didn't really have any sort of massive superstars. He just had every, he instilled the message early on, particularly in this second spell, that if you want to play for me, you've got to work hard for this team, first and foremost. It's one of the first things he said uh, when he like walked into the dressing room at West Ham was, if, if you want to play for my team, you're going to have to run. And you've got Pablo Fornells, Jared Bowen, two spectacular players up the top, uh, who... I think most other teams look at them and wouldn't necessarily go, oh, I'd love to have those two players. But the 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 work rate they put in off the ball is almost superior to the work they do on it. And it's not ugly. Yeah. It's not like Stoke-style football. It's just those sort of things that football fans want as a given from their players but rarely get is putting in 100% every week. And yeah, of course. they're working smart and hard. And I just it just feels like if Declan Rice goes, which he may or may not do at some stage, someone else who might not be quite as good will slot in, but we'll still have the system is working. The system works and everyone's yeah. bought into it. So, um, yeah, it just feels like it, it could be a little bit more long term rather than our oh, Pyatt's left. What are we going to do? Yeah, yeah, of course. What's the ceiling for West Ham then this season? What do you think you can achieve? Do you think you can get into the top four or do you think it's another top seven or eight finish? I can't remember where you finished exactly last season, but do you think it's another Europa League qualification finish at the end of the season or do you think you can break into that top four? Well, we finished sixth last season, uh, obviously qualified for the Europa League through that. And I, I've got no... I think top four, realistically, realistically is, is probably a push, particularly we've got the Europa League campaign. Our squad is thin. Yeah. Angelo Ogbonna and Kurt Zuma have just got long-ish term. Well, Angelo Ogbonna's is long-term. That's a season ender. Zuma's is months rather than weeks, uh, which is our two superb centre-backs. And our squad is thin everywhere else. We've just got new investment from the Czech guy, Daniel Kratinsky. So hopefully there's there needs to be some investment in January to, to sustain what we're doing at the moment. So... I think Champions League a couple of weeks ago, I'd have probably said, yeah. And we are still in it. We can beat anyone, as we've proved this season. If our main contenders before, it seemed like it was just Arsenal. Now Man United have got this new manager. It looks like they'll push on. So, no, definitely top six again. But it does need investment in in January. However, the way we're playing, the way it's going, it does feel special and it feels a bit magical. So, if someone said to me, ah, I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility, put it that way, with five games of the season left for us to still be in with a shout of Champions League. I don't know, you know, I'm not saying we're definitely going to do it or anything like that, but certainly within touching distance, within five games to go. And if we get a decent run in the Europa League, which it looks like we are doing, yeah. no one will complain if we come sixth again or even eighth, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
what are your thoughts on the Europa League then? Because I know a lot of these bigger clubs, if they end up falling into the Europa League and stuff, they don't really take it seriously. They might play, you know, not the kids, but not necessarily the reserves, but definitely a mixture. Um, are you boys taking it quite seriously like, as a club? Uh, and in terms of your fan base, how do you boys feel about the Europa League? Everyone is absolutely buzzing about it and they have been from the off as soon as we qualified everyone was thrilled you know I got to go I went and watched us at Genk away a few weeks ago I've wanted to do that since I was a kid watch my Mm. team play away in Europe um we drew to all Suchek own goal right at the death was a bit of a a bit of a killer but honestly it didn't matter it was just the experience it was superb standing there with my old man watching West Ham away in Europe it was brilliant and that was a feeling among all the fan base. As soon as we qualified, everyone was so excited. And I think Moyes has done handled it brilliantly because he's felt that message come from the fans and <clears throat> he's approached the competition accordingly. I think we got fortunate with the group, Rapid Vienna, Genk um, and Dinamo Zagreb. We dispatched Dinamo Zagreb away, which everyone was saying was our hardest game of the group, the first game. Uh, no, he's... Yeah. Like I say, everyone everyone's bought into it, and he's got that rare thing in football where the harmony seems to be throughout the whole squad, and even yeah. the the players who come off the bench who aren't playing as much are coming in and playing in the style Moyes wants them to play with the right attitude and committing themselves as everyone else in the team is, uh, and that's why we just seem to be getting results all over the place. And I think, in a weird way, the Europa League campaign is enabling Moyes to keep everyone happy because there's enough game time there for everyone to get, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It's good to see you talk about it like that. And we saw much like I could see you sort of like your eyes lighting up when you were talking about when you went yeah, to game. I love it's it. Good. It's good to see that. Obviously, like I, I just mentioned on your show, we qualified, well, qualified for the qualifiers. Um, and, I, and I and I got to go to Olympiakos, you know, and again, growing up as a young lad, like you said, you're 30 now, I'm 33. So growing up as a young lad, and I was watching Burnley, they were in Division 2, which is obviously what is now League 1. And you'd have never thought that you'd have seen Burnley play a competitive match against the most decorated club in the history of Greece, you know, Olympiakos. It's insane. All right, we got beat 3-1 and there was a dodgy red card. Um, but that memory will stay with me forever. So it's good to see that. And it is a shame when I see top fans, sorry, fans of top clubs sort of like to say, ah, yeah, you know, I'm not really too bothered about that. Just concentrate on the league and stuff. And Because it is, you know, you can make so many memories in there. And that's that's what football's all about. Um, it's match-going yeah. fans, though, mate, isn't it? Sorry to yeah, interrupt you. It's match-going no, right. fans, isn't it? That That's yeah. the thing. You know, it's easy, and I do it as well. You get hooked into what's going on on Twitter and listen to Man United and Arsenal fans. But most Arsenal fans I know who go to matches like home and away and stuff, they, they love it. You know, they'd obviously rather be in the Champions League, the Europa League, but this season, yeah. having none of it, they'd, they'd rather be in it. They want to be in the, the Europa League, perhaps a conference league for Spurs fans. They're a bit snooty <laughs> about that. But yeah. people, real match-going fans who love going to watch their clubs in the stadium regularly, no, I don't know anyone who's like that who turn around and, and sneer at their team being in European competition, especially not West Ham after the history we've had, mate. We are not no, in a yeah. position to turn our nose up at it. No, it's, it's a good point you make there because I do sometimes get dragged into all the crap that's on Twitter and I'll, I'll forever say on here and, and sort of like slag the way that Twitter off, uh, sorry, slag the way that Twitter has become off on this podcast. And so I always try and say like, try not to gauge public opinion by the comments that, you know, people are yeah. writing on Twitter. Cause like you say, it's people that never go to the games. It might be from America or, or, you know, China or something like that. And they're just young lads who are just trying to sort of like wind people up. So I, I know what you mean. I do try and not, not get dragged into all of that, but yeah. And what's the point of supporting a fan, a fo- 
Sorry, mate. Sorry. No, I was going to say, I don't think I've ever met a fan who goes to the games who who doesn't get excited about things like traveling. Even even Aberdeen. We got Aberdeen for God's sake in, in the you know in the first qualifying <laughs> round. Half of the town left and went up to Aberdeen. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean, it, it was class. It were really really good. So yeah, I know what you mean by that. I just think, what's the point of supporting a football team? The the reward for coming fifth or sixth, which is the highest we've finished in the Premier League for such a long time, the reward for that is playing in Europe. What the yeah. hell is the point of going week in, week out, if when you yeah. actually get the prize for coming fifth or sixth, you're not excited about it? What's the point? Yeah. If, you're yeah. not, if you're only going to get excited about winning the Premier League or the Champions League, you'll forever be miserable, won't you? You've got to, yeah. definitely got to take the, the good things when they come. And the Europa League is the best thing to happen to me and a lot of most West Ham fans for, for ages. Yeah, it's actually it's funny you mentioned that as well because I do remember when we had Olympiacos in the last game, we we hadn't started the Premier League season particularly well. We weren't doing that well in the Europa League. You know, we drew twice against Aberdeen um, and had to beat them in extra time. Um, drew twice against um, uh, Istanbul Bishakshi and had to beat them in extra time. So we weren't really doing well in that competition. We were getting beat by the likes of Fulham. Um, and Wolves, who weren't very good uh, back then in the Premier League, and it was looking like we were going to be struggling if we got, you know, to the group stage. And I've just said to you on your podcast, it was probably a blessing in disguise that we did get knocked out because we probably would have gone down. But Burnley fans at the time were saying, "Oh, just put the kids out. Let's forget about it. Let's just stay up." But I, I me and my old co-host were sort of like fighting on the show with people saying, "What are you on about? You do this yeah. week in, week out to to experience this." So it's good to hear you say that, mate. Honestly, it really, really is because I had that debate so many times on that page where people were just saying, "Nah, Premier League, Premier League." I'm like, but what's the point? What was last season for well, then? Yeah. What was yeah. last season for? Just to throw exactly. it away after six games. Well, exactly, yeah, honestly, mate. What is the point of trying on Saturdays if you're just going to dismiss the prize that you get? There's just no exactly. point, is there? Exactly. Yeah, I'm with you. Exactly. Um, but anyway, let's move on then. So, like, I want to talk to you about David Moyes because obviously it was at West Ham, left, um, and then ended up coming back. There was a few sort of like sneers from fans of opposition clubs. I remember having uh, another West Ham fan on the show around that time. I think it was... Um, an American West Ham YouTube channel, I can't remember the exact name, and he was saying at the time, like, oh, I'm not really sure on David Moyes, you know, things like that. But he's obviously he's come in and done very, very well, and I would presume now that the fan backing is 100% for David Moyes. Yeah, as as much as you could get. I've, uh, I mean, Bilic had a lot of backing, to be fair, as well, uh, and that, that, did, that didn't really go. It, it was just a shame the way it, it finished up. West Ham didn't capitalise in the transfer market from the move to... Uh, Upton Park to the London Stadium, um, and therefore, and Pyatt just didn't fancy it that season either. And Billich was it was all just went a bit flat, a bit quick. Um, but Billich still had like not so much support. People knew it was the right time to go, but he still maintained love uh, from the fans. But with yeah. David Moyes, look, I mean, I'll put my hands up as most people did when he was reappointed again. I was just like, what's the point? What is the point? That is just such a we're only here to stagnate move from the board. Most fans did that. But the important thing, mate, is, you know, you'll get fans coming out now or just pundits or whoever going, oh, where are those naysayers who said it was no good to bring Moyes back? It's like, shut up. Everyone was well <laughs> within their rights to think that was an odd appointment. That move yeah. worked well for every party. The, the club undoubtedly bought him back for a second time because he was one of the cheaper options. There was not a queue of Premier League teams or indeed there may have been lower down the leagues to be fair, but there was not a queue of Premier League teams waiting to give David Moyes another job. Everyone says, ah, oh, he did well the first time. He didn't. He did okay. He kept us up, and but the football wasn't great. All right, he had a team of players who wasn't his. But 
when we appointed Pellegrini, everyone was behind that. They were like, yeah, okay, we've we've kept up with Moyes. His record spoke for itself. It didn't work out United. That was obviously mm. over time has seemed that it's a poison chalice. And it probably wasn't a reflection on him. I think after that went wrong for him, he then made... I think he took too risky to the, the the decisions and the jobs he took were too risky. He wanted to like make another big statement being the man who saved Sunderland, but they were yeah. a train wreck, weren't they? And I, he was thinking my reputation can turn this round and I'll bring the reputation of the club back up. But it wasn't the reputation of the club was a, on a downhill slide and it dragged the Moise's yeah. reputation with him. He took the Sociedad job. We've seen with Gary Neville, going over there as well to Spain. That is, that's just too difficult. It's almost like just take a bread and butter job in the middle. But I think he was so hurt by the Man United thing that he wanted to quickly regain his reputation as one of Britain's best managers, which is what he was when he left Everton. That's why he got the Man yeah. United gig. Uh, and I think with that, it sort of went <laughs> a bit rollercoastery for him. Uh, but what he's done at West Ham, particularly, well, obviously the second time around, uh, I think it's worked out for everyone. West Ham got a cheap manager at first. He got the chance to, one last chance, I think it was, to revive his Premier League reputation. Because I honestly think, mate, he would have just been, he if it, if it hadn't worked out this second time, he would have done the old classic, like Sheffield Wednesday, Middlesbrough, like the, yeah. the med- mediocre championship club round, like the Warnock managerial yeah, Warnock, round. Bruce sort of thing, yeah. Steve Bruce, exactly, mate. Yeah, just those like mediocre championship clubs. Um, and that would have been him for the rest of his days, I think. Uh, so look, it worked on all parts. I'm more than happy to eat humble pie now and I'm delighted it's worked out. And I've never been so confident and excited about a manager in time. But what I don't like is the... Like I say, those people go, oh, you weren't saying that when he started. It's like, well, no, no, no one was really. No one was saying it that loudly because it wasn't inspiring. Fans are well within their rights to have been miffed about it. And and everyone's more than happy to eat humble pie at the moment and go, yeah, I was wrong. Everyone's happy to do that because he's brilliant and we're all 100% behind him now. Yeah, happy days. Um, What do you think was so... Sorry, wh- why do you think it's so different then for Moyes this time than it was the second time? You're saying like he, he, the football wasn't great the first time. And I remember you were, you were saying earlier, it's the best football you've ever seen you play in your time as a West Ham fan. So what, what's different? Has he been given more money? Has he been given more time? Or has he just been given the chance to build his own squad this time? Uh, I think it's one of those, it's such a bit of a cop-out answer, mate. But I think it's, as with most things in life, it's an accumulation of lots of different things. The main, mm. or one of the main ones is the squad now. He's he's it's brilliant he's got young hungry players with some not necessarily something to prove not like a chip on their shoulder but who are at the beginning of their careers who can push on and they either drag the club with them and the club continues to like hit their expectations or whatever like Declan Rice but Pablo Fornell is young hungry talented Spaniard willing to work Jared Bowen hungry got a lot of time left in his career, almost if they wanted to, obviously we don't want that, but they could use West Ham as a stepping stone. And we've got players who are on the way up in their careers as opposed to on the way down. And the only ones he's made some excellent, excellent decisions on players he's got rid of. Sebastian Haller and Philippe Anderson were really political ones. They were both getting 140-ish grand a week, both come in yeah. for between 40 and 45 million quid, weren't doing it. And there were so many fans going, oh, 
you know, they see the price tag and it's, oh, you should, we need to, we're not playing to Haller's strengths. And now he's gone to Ajax. It's all sneery. Oh, he's scoring loads of goals. It's like, you're, you're, it's completely the wrong way to look about it, to build a team around two players just because they would cost a lot of money. Yeah. Like you, the, the ability to cut your losses is such a valuable and underrated thing in football, I find. Um, you know, all the big clubs do it. Then, the, But the idea, and there is a bit of that among West Ham fans, that if you get any transfers wrong, you're a complete and utter shambles. You don't know what you're doing. Think of mm. all the failed players Man United have had. You know, Juan Sebastian Veron, Diego Forlan, Tottenham, yeah. Roberto Soldado, for all the Gareth Bales and Modric's they've had. Arsenal, Nicolas Pepe, look at him. Like The big clubs don't just stop trying or stop going out in the transfer market because they spend big money on a player and he doesn't work. They go again. They cut their losses, get as much money as they can. They go again, don't they? Um, yeah. So I think that's that's a huge thing. Getting out some some bad apples, some dead wood as well. And it's just yeah, like you know, Craig Dawson coming in. I was going, what what are we doing? What's the matter? Mm. But he's been one of our best players the last two seasons. He's just got the the blend right. He's he's obviously he's got an ability to highlight the players who are a bit older, the Dawson's, the Fabianski's, uh, the Ogbonners even, even Cresswell. Cresswell's playing the best football of his career and he was superb for us before. Got a big injury. Everyone thought he was going to be out. It's just that perfect blend. He's bringing players on. He's got the right blend of youthful desire. Uh, yeah, it's just everything he seems to touch turns to gold, mate. And like I say, the main thing it seems to me on the pitch it's just the players are working hard. Like It's the best football I've seen in my time because it's winning football where every yeah. single player cares about the shirt. And it's such, it seems like such a basic way of talking about football. But that is how most football, fan, most football fans just want the players to care as much about the shirt as, as we do. That's what yeah. fans want, isn't it, ultimately? Yeah. And we have got that, not just the 11 on the pitch, Every single man in the squad is cares about West Ham and cares about doing well for West Ham this season. And it shows in their work rate in games, both on and off the ball. It's just it's just a joy at the moment. It's, uh, yeah, it's just I can't I haven't got enough words for it. It's just great. Yeah, so a lot going right on the pitch for West Ham. Uh, but it seems like a lot started to go right off it as well. Obviously, there was a lot of disjointment. Um, is that even a word? I think it is. Um, about when you left Upton Park and then you, you obviously you went to the London Stadium, it felt even as an outsider looking in, it just felt like that the stadium didn't fit the club. Uh, you, you didn't want to be there. It was more of an Olympics um, sort of like place rather than a football place. But you've got. I've, I've not been since. Um, I've not been for a while. Of course, actually, it all came to a head actually for the Burnley game a few years back when we yeah. three 0 there, and obviously everyone's poured onto the pitch. Went after Golden Sullivan. Um, that was actually very interesting to watch at the time. And then, you know, fans were planting corner flags in the centre spots and things like that. But now you look at it and it looks like you're enjoying being there. It's looking like it's, you know, it is your home. Does it feel like that to you? Does it finally feel like it's your home? Yeah, I, th I think it's it's improving every for lots of different reasons, just purely like the way the stadium looks is improving. At first, it was yeah. very much Olympic-y, but just little touches. Everyone takes a mickey out of it. But there's we've got like the claret and blue surround around the pitch now. Uh, they've improved, made vast improvements to the area outside the ground with bars and they've got like disco, uh, sorry, like DJ stands and things like that. Sounds a bit tacky, but it's, 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 it's like decent. It's good. Um, and... 
But the main thing, mate, is we've started creating memories there now. The atmosphere yeah, for the the Chelsea game, I, I was annoyingly had to work, but for the Chelsea game, but the Liverpool game a couple of weeks ago was phenomenal. Leicester earlier in the season was great. And I, I think that was always going to happen. The more time we spent there, again, it's a bit of everything. The more memories you make. Me and my dad, for yeah. example, we've moved seats three times now. I've always gone with my dad, always sat with him at Upton Park. We sat in the same seats from my first game when I was four to when we left five years ago when I was 25 or whatever. The same yeah. seats and the same route to the ground, all that sort of thing. So there was a little bit of, you know, you had to sort of work all that out again when we moved. Yeah. We've done our third seat move now. And finally, we've sort of got the like the what we like from games there. The atmosphere is great where we sit. The view's good and the people around us are nice. You know, and all those things take a bit of time. But the the team on the pitch is winning, mate. That was the deal, right? Yeah. That was the deal in the first place. Move away from your spiritual home. None of us had a choice. Don't let anyone tell you any of us did. There was any consultation periods. It's PR guff. No one had a choice. We were moved against our will, right? I wanted to stay. Most people did. However, the deal was, implicit deal, if we rip you away from your spiritual home, you'll have a football team that is better on the pitch, which you're not used to. Yeah. And for five years, that wasn't the case. So fans were rightfully angry. And you saw it come to the head of that Burnley game. You won't find me condemning any people who were angry about the state of West Ham because they felt cheated and they felt wronged. We didn't mind being an average football club before because we're at home we loved and that was the club we were all used to. But yeah. we had to give something, which was moving away from our home. But the bit we wanted in return, which we were told we would get, we didn't get. Anyone in any walk of life would be annoyed if that happened. If you went into a shop and paid for something and you didn't get it in return, the thing in return, you'd want your money back or you'd be annoyed, yeah. wouldn't you? That's how yeah. it works. Society's built on trades. And so it's finally working out on the pitch. Uh, and that's all me and loads of people wanted. There's still those who hate Gold, Sullivan and Brady, but they've become the vast, they've gone from the vast majority to a massive minority. And most people like me are just enjoying going to West Ham. It's the only club we've got. We can't do anything about the stadium up to park, knocked down. Most of us now are just enjoying going with our friends and family to a stadium that is the one we've got and our team is playing well and we're proud of them. That's yeah. the way it is really, mate. You got to, That's the only way I can think about it. Yeah, fair enough. Let's look ahead to the weekend then. Um, obviously, West Ham doing very, very well. Burnley... Not so much. Um, don't want to get too much into that. Um, to, like I was saying on, on your show, I try and be a little bit pos more positive on here um, than, than, than sometimes I think they deserve, which is um, what I'll say after the Newcastle result. Um, how do you see this one going then? In fact, before we get into the predictions and stuff, um, you've mentioned already how good Rice is, and I think Rice is going to be the probably the man of the match, the standout performance because he he's obviously plays in the centre of the park, and that's where we are at our weakest, and that's where we've lost games several times this season. So I think Rice will absolutely run the show. Um, and then obviously you've got your forward two as well, which you've already mentioned as well. They've got pace, they've got power, and I think our defence can struggle against pace and power. So I know I've just said I try and be positive, but I think sometimes you also got to try and be realistic. And I think this game is going to be a very very tough one for Burnley. However, it would just be the most typical Burnley thing in the world if we went and won this match, just a result out of absolutely nowhere. But, you know, I, I think Declan Rice will have far too much fun in the middle of that park. But um, 
You've mentioned Rice. You've mentioned um, your forward two as well, Fornals and Bowen. Is there anyone else that we should be looking out for uh, in terms of sort of like danger men and things like that as, as Burnley fans? Well, to give you something to hold on to, a bit of hope, mate, Antonio can't hit a barn door at the moment. I don't know what's happened to him. Just seems really off the pace. Um, yeah, really disappointing. Hasn't scored in nine, I think it is, after a superb yeah. start to the season. Yeah. Uh, Kurt Zuma and Angelo Bonner are out. Long-ish term, they certainly won't be playing this weekend. So it's Diop and Dawson. Dawson's great. Diop can be sketchy. So it's very much our B-team centre-back partnership. Uh, it looks like Vladimir Soufal will play it right back. He's been literally flawless since he came into the club. Aaron Cresswell is another danger man as well. His set pieces this season have been superb. Anyone who plays fantasy football is likely to have him because we've been all right for a clean sheet. And he takes the corners, takes some of the dead balls as well. Um, and we, we've looked... Less so this season, but we're good from set pieces. That's a big part of Moyes' uh, game plan. And Cresswell's a huge part of that. So that is, that's the other thing. Obviously, on the ball, we are threatening with with Fournals and Bowen. Benrahma's gone off the pace a bit. I don't expect him to start. I expect it to be Lanzini. And I'm so glad he got a chance. Um, another man who's just playing like really well under Moyes after fans thought his career was done. Played against Chelsea at the weekend. So I expect it'll be that. It'll be Suchek and Rice at the base um, and then Lanzini at the 10 and then Fournals on the left bone on the right. It will be Antonio up top purely based on the fact we haven't got anyone else. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think outside of the ones you mentioned, Cresswell's the one you want to watch out for. And then, you know, the Dawsons and the Diops and the Sucheks who provide the aerial threat on the end of those killer dead balls. Yeah, normally you mentioned that obviously you've got your two centre halves out. That would normally fill me with quite a bit of confidence. But this season we're just not creating anything. We it's been weird. Obviously we, we Chris we Woodall score. Against, we, we score. We scored three against Palace, who you know the, the media darlings at the minute, and we did quite well there. We scored three against Brentford, who were the flavour of the month at the time. But then since then, and we went five unbeaten. But since then, we've just been absolutely we dreadful against Wolves or even worse against Newcastle. And I'm not really sure where the creativity has gone because I felt that this season, the creativity was better and the goals were flowing a bit better, but the defence weren't as good. And then it's kind of gone back to what it was with the forward play. Um, but then um, the defending is still not the best. It's not as good as it has been in previous seasons. Anyway, look at Nick Pope uh, making a mistake um, against Newcastle the other day. Um, but we'll get into predictions then. I'll let you take the reins on this one because obviously you're going to be going to this with loads of confidence. I'm not going to be in it with any confidence. So I'll let you give your prediction first, mate. Well, as I mentioned about the defenders there, mate, I've just got a feeling Diop particularly has got a mistake in him. Chris Wood absolutely loves a goal against West Ham. So I do back you to score, but I think, or I'm hoping certainly, that we'll be too strong. Going forward, we've got that dead rubber in the Europa League Thursday. Dino as we grab at home. We'll be able to rest players because we've already won the group. So I'm going to say 3-1 to West Ham. Yeah, fair enough. And like I said to you on your show, I do try to be a little bit more positive uh, when I'm doing my own show. But I think that Newcastle one, um, I'm recording this in a bit of a, a bad week, in a bit of a mood still when I think about the football. And you've seen rumours today that Newcastle have said they're going to double James Tarkovsky and Ben Mee's salary if they went to if they went to Newcastle in, in January. So that's probably going to unsettle players. Uh, I'm just in a bit of a mood about it all at the minute um, and I'm not expecting anything other than a West Ham win uh, this weekend. So I'm going to go 2-0 to West Ham. I can't see a scoring simply because of the lack of creativity um, that we've shown in recent games. But thank you for coming on the show, buddy. 
Pleasure, mate. Pleasure. Always uh, like talking to you guys and uh, the Burnley fans in general. As I said, it's my favourite Claret and Blue derby of the season. Villa, eat your heart out. Yeah, and you're coming up as well, aren't you? So you'll be, you'll yeah, be on the game. I'll be, yeah, I'll be at the game on Sunday. Looking forward to it. Me and my dad have made a bit of a, it's a bit of a traditional one uh, for us now. When we went to Burnley for the first time, don't know, probably ten years ago, I think. Got a yeah. win, um, and we try and go every season. Burnley away is the one we always earmark and do. One of my favourite grounds. Good group of fans who love their club, and uh, yes, yeah, one I always enjoy, and we do tend to always seem to do all right. So yeah, <laughs> that's not yeah. Too you bad. can tell you can tell you're a proper fan and not just a Twitter keyboard warrior. <laughs> yeah, exactly, mate. Sort of exactly. I, yeah, I normally yeah. always recommend the cricket club to fans that are coming up, but obviously been there before. Uh, I've got to say, yeah, it yeah. must be a, a common place for you to be going if you come up often. It's the place where most away fans go. Yeah, yeah, we've done a done a couple on there. I liked, I think the last time I was chucking it down with rain and there was still people standing outside next to the yeah. field. So it's always, yeah, it was sure. chucking it down. It was chucking it down when we started recording. It stopped now, but I'm sure it will be this weekend, mate. It always yeah, getting the train um, up, give... we'll be nipping in there. Yeah, fair enough, mate. And obviously there's the, the I'm not, I think away fans sometimes go in the pub near the train station. I'm not sure. There's a, a pub across from the train station. I'm not sure. Uh, but just before we go, do you want to give people a, a shout so uh, they can all know where to find you and where to listen and watch you and that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So we're, we are West Ham. Uh, main thing is a podcast. We've got the YouTube channel as well, which we clip up a few of our um, more interesting segments of the podcast, including the opposition view, mate. So uh, you'll be on there. Yeah, but it's we are West Ham podcast on your normal platform. Same as you guys, no doubt. Um, if yeah. you fancy giving us a listen this week and uh, yeah, we've got four games to cover, two to look back on. Two to look ahead to, including the Burnley one. So yeah, pack stuff if uh, if you like listening in to the opposition views. Yeah, fair enough. Well, like I said, thank you very much for coming on. And of course, we'll be back um, next week after the West Ham game. Before whoever we've got next, I'll just quickly... In fact, I've only got the West Ham fixtures up. I haven't got the Burnley ones up. Um, so we'll be back soon. And thank you again for coming on, mate. And I'll speak to you in, t- in the second half of the season. See you, mate. Network. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates have already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Automate delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.